Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. Today, our guest is Scott Kennedy. Scott is a homeowner that took on his HOA board. We're going to speak with Scott today about his experience and also to kind of get a feel for what to do and what happens when you feel like you've been unjustly treated by your association. So thank you, Scott, for joining us today. It's really appreciated. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share some experience. And also joining us today from GB Group is our own president, Bill Mann. Reagan. All right. So Scott, tell us a little bit about your background and how long you've actually lived in your HOA. The one I'm currently living in and the one I have the most significant problems with is in Florida. And I've been here for 11 years. I do also live in an HOA, more of a subdivision, not a condo. The one in Florida is a condo. The condo one's a little bit more detailed. So you have another HOA property as well. Is that one like single family homes? Yeah, single family home. Yeah, I'm on a golf course community, gated. Okay. So you have a really good variation of HOA experience because you have both types. Is the one in Florida a high-rise property? Well, they consider it mid-rise, 17 floors. 64 units, so they consider it a boutique. Bill, what do they consider the drawing the line point for high-rise now? Here in California, that would be a high-rise, so. That's what I was thinking. Usually the mid-rises end around eight or nine floors, so. Yeah, and in Florida, they have such mega high-rise. Yeah. I guess 17 <laughs> floors is a, a mid-rise. Well, we're kind of cute at 17 floors. <laughs> <laughs> How big is your single family home community you live on the golf course? Um, probably 660 homes. Most yeah. of them are half acre lots. Most of the homes are 3,500 to 6,000 square feet. Wow. Well, that's definitely not in California. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I would be a celebrity. I'd have something my assistant doing this for me. <laughs> so, okay. So you've lived there 11 years. At what point did things start to get where you were having a disagreement with your HOA. How many years had you been there? We've probably been here about two to three years. The first time we had an issue, start out, at, as you had mentioned before, the most common problem being parking pets, and I can't remember what the other one is. People. 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 So it, it became a pet issue. When we first looked into being a real estate agent myself, I went over the dogs pretty thoroughly. And one of the reasons why we picked this building is because it took, it requires 75% of the homeowners to agree to make any substantial changes to the docks. Mm -hmm. And if you're buying under an HOA, my personal opinion is I don't want a simple majority to change the way I live because I'm putting a substantial amount of money to buy, live here. I'm paying a good bit in HOA fees and I don't like the way I'm treating my home to be changed easily. So the first issue we had we bought during the crisis, 2006, roughly, you know, or 2009, 2011, I think. But there was still, you know, in this price point, there was few, a few buyers, fewer buyers. So we have large dogs. Um, at the time, we had two white German Shepherds. And we didn't bring them with us when we did our home search because we were coming down from Georgia. So one of the main things we wanted to make sure, and we looked at 40 units while we were here, and most of them didn't allow large dogs. So we're not going to willingly sign up for something where we can't have large dogs. So we came to this unit. It was the last one we looked at and brought pictures of the size of the dogs standing next to furniture, videos. 
all this, that, and the other to make sure they were well aware of what size animals we were bringing with us. Because if you're not going to allow us, then we're not going to buy, and we don't want to fight this fight down the road. So they were fine with it. The dog didn't really address it as far as size or number. I think they did try to limit it to two, if I remember correctly. So as time goes on, they decided to change the dogs and the rules, which would make our dogs ineligible to live in this building. So ultimately, they said, well, we're going to grandfather your dogs in, which have been lovely and terrific, except for one thing. We're covered by the ADA. We have medical prescriptions for these dogs. And they keep referring to our dogs as grandfathers. So that's a legal battle that we're in now because no matter how many times I tell them, we're covered by the ADA. You need to stop talking about these dogs because you don't get to address our disabilities in such a way. And they seem persistent. So I've hired a lawyer. That's one of the few lawsuits I've got going on with this particular building. Okay. So it started with parking people and pets. Let's move on to parking. A more recent issue we have, our building has limited parking, as most of them do. Our building, as I said, has 64 units, approximately 110 parking spaces. Simple math tells you there's not enough parking spaces for everybody to have two cars. We're fortunate enough to have all two spaces and least a third. So as time went on, we decided we had three cars, hence three parking spaces, and we decided to buy some motor scooters to, you know, to scoot around town on, just for fun. And we went to the HOA president, who we knew, lived a couple floors above us, and we said, this is what we're planning on doing. Where can we park them? Oh, you can just park them in front of one of your other cars. Shouldn't be a problem. Okay, fine. And that went on for years. No problem. And then all of a sudden, they had to paint the garages. So we had to move all of our vehicles. And when we parked our scooters back, and I'm giving you a very abbreviated version of what actually happened, then it became a problem. And they started sending us notices that they were going to tow our vehicles and that were in violation of the parking rules. But okay, I stop said, there for a minute for one quick second. Did the board change new board members or anything? Oh, yes. During, of so yeah. during the time between it was fine to have your scooter, you now had new board members when the garage got painted? Yep. And, and so then this kind of got brought up. Okay. Keep yeah. And, and so... In the process of going through this legal battle, they would keep sending me the notice, which I would highlight the notice and say, Our, we're not violating your rules. They said, you're violating the rules. And they would send me the rules, email me a copy of the rules. And I'd go look at my parking situation and I would take pictures of it and I would send it back because now you have to have an email trail for, you know, this is gearing up to be a legal battle. So I'm like, please show me how I'm violating these rules because everything I can visually present to you, I'm in compliance. I'm not moving my scooters because I'm not breaking your rule as it is written. So as time goes on, we wind up in mediation, which is something that's very common in dogs. They don't want you going to court. They want you to go to the mediator. So we hire an attorney, go to the mediator, again, arguing selective enforcement because other people were doing similar things. And they ultimately did tow our scooters. Yeah, that's what drove us to court. Other people were doing similar things and they weren't being enforced upon. Their vehicles weren't being towed. So here we go. We go to the mediator. We present photographs. They present photographs. We present testimony. They present testimony. The mediator said, well, they're allowed to interpret the rule. 
and the interpretation that we were presented with at mediation, we'd never been presented with before ever. And ultimately the judges decided against us because they allow apparently in Florida, a lot of leeway for how that board members interpret these rules. And one of the things I wanna bring up, since we had the agreement with the HOA president when this all started years ago, that person had moved and the board said, well, he couldn't commit us as a board to that. There's a process by which you have to sit in front of the board and ask for an exception. And we weren't ever informed of that. What was your interpretation of the written policy versus what do you think theirs was so different from yours if you were going off of the same? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very literal person. I literally read it. I deal with contracts a lot in real estate and I go by what's written. I'm not thinking about how you're going to interpret it. That's the rule that you say you're enforcing upon me. So did you feel then that this was solely being directed at you or were other homeowners also being treated with no. the same kind of behavior? Well, and I let them know in, in emails, me and my partner are a gay couple. And I told them, I said, yeah, I'll really start not just the parking situation, the dog situation and other selective enforcement things that have happened in this building. I said, yeah, we're really starting to feel discriminated against. And when we're the only same-sex couple, we are covered by local ordinance, Broward County, not federally, but Broward County for same-sex couples. And if you persist in doing this, I'm going to persist on you know, enforcing my rights. And so that so is still you, you, you do feel You do feel then that the fact that you kind of get, we're getting, for lack of a better word, picked on because you started out specifically talking about dogs and the policy was looked at carefully. And then they gave you trouble about the dogs because they were two large ones. Yes. Then they looked at you again because you had had your scooters parked for a certain way. How long would you say they had been parked like that before it became? Oh, four a... years. Oh my goodness. The other people then... had like bicycles or other scooters or motorcycles in their space. I mean, out of that many parking spaces, you couldn't have been the only one. Well, oh no, absolutely we're not. And people had personal belongings, you know, uh, golf car, uh, golf clubs. People leave their antifreeze sitting in the in their parking space, and all that by the rules is illegal. You're not supposed to do that. But they decide not to enforce that, and they still to this day. I just took pictures today where someone's golf golf clubs are sitting in their parking space. So I'm just you know I'm just continuously developing my evidence, keeping track of it, and I put them on notice. Not sure if I'm legally required to or not. Now I really do feel discriminated against. You're on notice. If you continue to do this, well, I mean, the lawsuit's already, it's already in process. They may or may not know about that at this point, but they should. I think it's really interesting that they don't see, especially in today's political climate, how volatile their actions are really to single out one group of people, whether or not it has anything to do with your lifestyle just the fact that you're the only one they're kind of going after for scooters and dogs because you have quite a few dogs in the building yes i would say there's probably at least 15 dogs out of 64 units and of varying sizes and the majority of them are smaller but there are larger dogs as well and the thing is they can they say we are consistent in enforcing our rules equally on everyone but the evidence doesn't bear that out 
Well, we're not lawyers by any stretch to give any kind of legal opinion, and we're in different states to boot. But I do know that it does seem very odd when boards change and they can't really uphold what a previous board did, especially if it wasn't following policy. But it sounds like you guys were following the policy as you understood it to be. They never notified you that the policy was going to be changed or interpreted differently. And they never clarified that at any HOA meetings or town halls that they were suddenly feeling like, okay, we're painting the garage so we no longer are going to permit, you know, garbage up against the front end of your cars or that kind of thing. They never did any other notifications. No, not whatsoever. They just kept saying you're violating the rules, but they'd never tell me how it was violating the rules. And even if they did, I would still go back to their written rules and go, well, no, <laughs> if you look at what's here, have you ever had a one-on-one -on -one with the board have, where they request you to come and meet with them to talk about it? Well, with COVID, that, of course, changes everything. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So that made it very difficult. So did the best, next best thing, email the property manager, CC the board members. That's the best I could do. Yeah. No, Zoom, no Zoom meeting with them or anything during COVID? No, they're very, for some reason, these board members get this God complex that <laughs> baffles me to no end, but they just kind of do. And they're like, well, we're above reproach, you know? So if you don't like it, they'll just cut you off. I mean, even in some of the meetings I've been to, if you ask a question they don't like, they'll just say, well, we don't have time for that. And they'll just blow right by you. And I'm like, okay. Have you ever met with the HOA's attorney? No, we our attorneys spoke to the HOA attorney, but we've I've never so only through to your counsel to their counsel. And Correct. how does your attorney feel that's worked on it? How do you feel that that's going on your side? I think that we presented the best argument we could. I think the judges, in my opinion, are going to side with the condos because that's where their bread and butter comes from. Who are they going to get more money from and more, more business from? From especially on the east coast of the United States, that's all there are is condominium buildings. So I feel as a homeowner, the cards are kind of stacked against. Me. I don't agree with you on that, but that's just my opinion. For what we live weird. in California, where it'd go the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and, you, and and they could just be that judge. I, who knows? But yeah. um, so one of the things that the board member said in testimony, sworn testimony, that they interpret that the concrete bumper in front of your car where your tires normally touch the bumper. Anything that exceeds beyond that, the concrete bumper is the end of the parking space. So you're not supposed to touch it. And touch so if I understand you correctly, your tires hit the balustrade on the, on the ground, your tires hit that ballast, and that's there to stop you from going any further. And you could have a very large front end that hangs way over past hey, the tires. You could have a small front end if you drive a smart car, right? I mean, oh, no, a Cadillac and says, a smart car are very different front ends. So they're saying well, it only goes to the, as far as your car. It doesn't matter the size of your car. No, that's not even what he's saying. He's saying that the bumper is the end of the parking space. Nothing is to exceed past the bumper. He says it's only common sense. He's from Canada. Not sure if that makes a difference or not. How they maybe they park different <laughs> Canada, but he said no. Everybody understands you do not touch that bumper. So your car, the end of your car, has 
by his testimony that he swore to is supposed to end at the bumper. Your tires aren't supposed to touch the bumper. So you're envisioning, I'm envisioning the bumper and then there's what, two feet from the bumper to the wall of the garage? Is that, or, yep. or a line, or there's a painted line or something? Absolutely, the painted line goes all the way to the wall. And in the docks, it says, your space is delineated by the painted lines, no mention of the bumper. Yeah. Their interpretation of it, the dealer allowed, they said, anything beyond the bumper shouldn't be there. And so our scooters, one was on the front side of the bumper, and one's on the second side of the bumper, but still within the painted lines of the space. Sure. And the painted lines go to the wall. So that's what I'm documenting now. There's 16 cars whose front ends go beyond the bumper, and I want to know why they haven't been towed. Because according to your sworn testimony, that is how you interpret this rule. So apply the rule fairly, and I'll be happy. I've never seen a car park like that. Have you, Bill? No, oh, it'd be difficult to park it, too. So. You'd have yeah, to get out every time and check. Yeah, I think sure. Yeah. Everybody'd be hanging tennis balls from the ceiling. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, but, he, but he said that's common sense. Everybody knows that. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here, Scott. Sure. Yeah. So we often think of somebody who argues with the board or is bringing up a complaint or um, a lawsuit in this case as being difficult homeowner, you know, unreasonable, possibly even a little crazy. But in this case, it sounds like it's just truly a disagreement. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I mean, I just want to be treated like everyone else. Yeah. So do you think that based on what's happened, that you would run for the board to be no. in a position on it? No, I wouldn't run for a board because for many reasons, it's a thankless job. You got a target on your back. You're working for free. <laughs> you know, and I just, that's not how I plan on spending my retirement. I mean, most boards that are doing well, I appreciate the effort they make. I appreciate the sacrifice that they make. And if it's a well-run board and they're not stepping on my toes, hey, somebody's got to do it or otherwise the state steps in and, you know, hires someone to do it. So of course you want people who live in your own building to manage your building. But if they're going to be discriminatory, that's a no-go. Well, the reason I asked if you would serve on the board yourself is because most people that get on the board do it for a self-serving purpose. You know, maybe their plumbing doesn't work well and they want to see the plumbing get overhauled or they don't, don't like the color of the building. Well, one board member didn't like the internet speed. He was running a business out of his condo, which my state law, you're not supposed to do, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation. And he ran on the board, got on the board. So we had to update the entire building to um, fiber optic. And that's his whole purpose. And you're right. In my experience, most people get on the board because there's some agenda that they want to run or something about the property that they want to change. And they go down there to, to push that. And we have a small board. It's only three members, which got, okay. increased, which got increased to five since we've been here. Oh, that's good. I, I personally do you think five the, is better. Do you think the increased board's better than a, a board of three versus five? Do you see any difference or? My comment to that is the issue that one of the issues we have in this building, one homeowner owns nine units out of 64. And oh. two of the board members are a part of her family. Oh. So um, when there was three, there was only one. 
now there's five, there's two. two right. and, and the board seems very inclined to keep this person very happy. So we fought getting increased to five because we had a hard enough time prior to the increase of getting three people to run for the board, much less five. So most of the time, it's not even a, a five-person board. There's times where they drop out. There's times where you can only get four people to run or three people to run. And, you and then what happens then, they appoint someone, someone down the, somewhere down the road, and they're not elected because they can't. So what do you think they could have done different to stop the situation from escalating into legal mediation or, or any kind of uh, litigation? They could have simply told me this is the way we interpret the rule, and I might have been okay with that. Or they could have treated everyone the same way they were treating me. Do you think COVID having that inability to meet in person escalated this as well because you didn't have a chance to sit down no. with them? No. No, it's, it's the per I know I know the personalities pretty well. I don't think COVID had anything to do with it. What advice would you give to a homeowner? that started to experience something similar? Document, document, document. Yeah, of course, right? That's what you need if you're gonna end up in court against somebody. It, I mean, and try just to have a, you know, I've tried numerous times before I started this process, I would ask questions. Why are you doing this? Please explain it. And if I can understand it, then I can accept it. But if you refuse, then you leave me no alternative. A lot of people aren't going to go as far as hiring a lawyer. It's not inexpensive. It's not pleasant. But at some point when you have, we're about four or five issues in with this board. So we have four active lawsuits as we speak. Well, that kind of makes me wonder why you wouldn't run for the board if you feel like there's a lot of series of injustices taking place. And it doesn't sound like you really want to move because you've already lived there this long and would like to continue living there, I'm sure a little more harmoniously, but just because it, it just feels it's like you're always the, in the office. Well, the I, well, I mean, you know, I've retired to enjoy my life and we live in multiple states. So if I'm going to do a job, if I'm going to sign up to be on the board, I want to be here a full-time resident. I don't want to be, you know, somewhere else half of the year. So I don't feel I could actually fulfill that role. That's a good point. That's a good point. And Florida does have quite a few people that come down seasonally. So you're probably not alone in that, but I could see where that would make a big difference. Yeah, because if I can't see what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis, because if I was on the board and I saw someone, you know, having it, you know, like doing an infraction, I might go to that homeowner themselves and say, hey, not sure if you're aware, by the rules, this is really something that's not allowed, and have a conversation instead of just, you know, just firing off an email and hiring tow trucks and this, that, and the other. That's, it's kind of interesting. So are your parking spaces assigned or are they part of your deed? They're assigned. So they're, they're assigned, assigned. But okay. Yep. And you mentioned you bought an extra one. Yes. Right? So you really can't fault that you have purchased them or leased them or however they work. But do you feel like because some people don't have any there was maybe some heartburn with you that you had. No, there's no, you can't sell a unit without a parking space. It has to have one. So there's only four of us that have three spaces. And so there's okay, a Okay, so of, you're not alone. You're not alone no, with that. 
no, we're not the only ones that have multiple places. One of the other tenants that has two spaces, we lease one from them that we pay for yearly and they're in residence and they need to use the space. We let them use it, you know, not a problem because that's what you do, you know. Wow, very interesting. Well, you'll have to keep us informed and let us know how all of this finally shakes out with your challenge of pets parking and people. <laughs> right. Well, you have to show up. Sometimes you have to show up to the fight. You might win, you might lose, but you have to now show up. Now, the name of the story is, uh, the name of the story, the name of the podcast is HOA, It's a True Story. And your whole podcast today has been a bit of a story, but if you want to share another story, we're happy to, to listen in at that point. At this point, I think we've covered, you know, all three of them. Come, yeah, all three of them until, you know, I'd like to see what the legal ramifications are and maybe do an update to see, you know, okay, is it worth your, you know, to advise people, is it worth your time, effort, energy, and money to fight these things? Because you might win. Or if I come to find out, well, you know, the system's just going to be against you no matter what then maybe I can save somebody thousands of dollars and not grief, but they'll probably still have some grief, <laughs> but at least save them, you know, right. for good money after bad, if the system's just really stacked against you, which I hope it is. I, I believe that it is, but we'll, uh, it remains to be seen. Well, the big question, where are the scooters now? Um, so the large, we, so you have multiple sizes of scooters, the ones right. that were, were 150s, were the ones that were towed. By the time they got towed and this, that, and the other, it would have cost us just as much to get them out towed as we paid for them originally. And why would I do that? So we ended up buying smaller ones that fit even better in between the parking space. And I, through, through, my, through my attorney, I've now requested an agenda item be added to the board meeting for us to discuss that so we can get one of these exceptions that I've heard so much about because there's two smart cars that are parked end to end that are five, six feet outside of their parking space. The concrete bumper was removed and they're actually touching the wall. But they, but they have an exception. Oh, they actually got an exception to do the two smart cars back to back? Yes, they did. Years and got ago. the bumper and got the bumper removed. That's uh, yeah, and which I, is um, destruction of a limited common element of the building that we're all supposed to vote on, hypothetically, <laughs> which never I happened. Don't know. I think you're right. There might be some discrimination going yeah. on in that. And I hate um, playing that card, but if it feels, I mean, if you make me feel that way long enough, if I don't protect myself, who's going to? Yeah. Well, hopefully if I get out to Florida, I'll catch a ride on the little scooter. <laughs> well, we still have this two small ones. They're in our third parking space, parked side by side right now, pending our request. Oh, that's good. Okay. All right. I really want to thank you for coming on and telling us a little bit about your story. We hear a lot of different stories in our associations, our association groups like CAI National and uh, different attorneys tell some really intriguing stories, but you, when you talk to somebody and kind of hear their experience shared, it's it's always a little bit different than just somebody reading off a court case and how it turned out. So, we wish you the very best with all of that, Scott. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And if anybody has any questions about any of our shows or this one for Scott, please feel free to reach out to us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com, and we'll be happy to pass along the question and information.
Thanks again. Thank you. It was great. Thanks, Regan.